0: It's taken some work, but I finally have them.
1: There's rumors, Amanda, that some of them have abilities. Oh, yeah. I have
0: seen things. Maybe Superman was some kind of beacon for them to creep back from the shadows.
1: This is Now Playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series.
0: The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world.
1: Part of the now playing DC comic movie series. I'm putting together a team. We can't save the world alone. Hosted by Arnie.
2: You should know that I'm
1: basically invincible. Stewart. Do you want an autogram or something? And Jacob.
2: You're the only person that I know that knows anything about this cape Crusader stuff.
1: At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the DC universe movies featuring Superman. I grew up in Kansas, General. About as American as it gets. Batman. We
2: just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns.
1: Wonder Woman. Oh, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. Aquaman. I am the protector of the deep. Shazam. Oh, you did not see that one coming, did you, Grandpa? <laughs> Suicide Squad. The hell's wrong with you people. We're bad guys. It's what we do. And Justice League. They said the Age of Heroes would never come again. It has to. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you effing stupid? Listener discretion is advised. Okay, let's do this. How do we do this?
0: Today we're discussing Shazam! Starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, and G-Mon Directed by David F. Sandberg. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, and I'm a podcaster. What's your superpower? I'm just Stuart. I brush my teeth with my own urine. This is Jacob. Believe it or not, guys, I know that we always start with
3: me going, who is this superhero? I don't know anything about this property. (laughs) Shazam is the first superhero I ever knew. What? And why would that be?
0: Because when I was first exposed to television, he had a show. Do you guys know this? Oh, I watched it religiously when Superman wasn't on. I grew up watching the 50 Superman TV show and Saturday morning cartoons. And I remember watching Shazam. I had Shazam underoos. I ran around yelling, Shazam! Yeah, (laughs) it was He-Man before He-Man.
3: I didn't understand he was a kid, but there's this teenager that's riding around the country in an RV with an old man trying to help people. And he's got a dirt bike and doing all the cool 70s things, but he has a psychic Connection to the Greek god pantheon, and every now and then, by the power of Grayskull, he holds up his hands, and lightning comes down, and he becomes a guy in an unfortunate uh, gold and red outbody <laughs> attire.
0: Credit where credit's due.
3: Masters of the Universe ripped this off. Yes, yes, that's what I mean to imply. But that was my definition of a superhero. I didn't know what a superhero was until I saw this, and I had forgotten this is actually Captain Marvel. But in the show, they refer to him as Captain Marvel, even though the word he uses to conjure Captain Marvel is Shazam.
2: Oh, it's very confusing. We talked about this with Marvel's Captain Marvel, the history of that term, DC was still able to use it. They couldn't market it. So in the comic books, he was always called Captain Marvel. It confused me because I'm like, but he says Shazam! That should be his name.
0: I thought they'd make a joke about it. One of the running gags in this movie is trying to figure out what his name is. And I thought for sure there would be a jab at Marvel where like the little kid would be like, what if we call you Captain Marvel? And Zachary Levi would be like, that's a stupid effing name.
2: Yeah, I was waiting for that moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they have Captain Sparklefingers. So yeah, I think there was something to that. And Sparklefingers, they took from Thor Ragnarok, right? I
2: was thinking that, yes. Goldblum. Hmm. I will say... I thought we were going to have to do another review for this retrospective. Captain Marvel, I did not know this till I did some research. He is the first comic book superhero to get a film made of him. Now, they were serials, and we've decided not to do serials. We didn't do Captain America. We didn't do Batman. But this was the first comic book superhero to go on the big screen as a 12-part serial.
3: Really? And so that would have been, what, in the 30s?
2: In 41, I believe. And Captain Marvel, or Shazam, I guess we're supposed to call him now, he sold more comic books than Superman at the time. And I think that's why DC went after him, because they're like, you can't outsell us. But he was more popular than Superman at one period of time.
0: Was he always a child? Because I remember the secret identity. I remember the 70s show vaguely. But was it always a kid that turns into this Captain Marvel? Or does he have multiple secret identities? Was he ever like a... Clark Kent where he was just putting on a suit?
2: No, no, no. This movie does a pretty good adaptation of this whole weird history that Shazam has had with reboot after reboot trying to figure out how to make him work in a modern context. But yeah, it's always the basic premise has been little kid meets a wizard, says a magic word, and becomes a superhero. But if you go back to those early comics and I think we'll see that. We'll talk about some weird things that show up in this movie. I was waiting for Talking Tawny, the tiger. Like there's Talking Tigers and there's crocodile people. We see them in this movie. We'll talk about Mr. Mind.
3: I know that That there's going to be something
0: about a caterpillar that I need to explain. I felt like you for the first time ever. I was sitting in that end credit sequence going, What the hell? I now know exactly how you feel all the time. Mm
2: But yeah, it was very much skewed for young children. It's the ultimate power fantasy, right? You're a kid, you say a magic word, and now you're Superman.
0: Yes,
3: and I do think that that is a new, interesting way to go for DC. Now, keep in mind, we started in the darkness of Nolan, and Snyder tried to keep that. This is a real hard turn to jovial that we're now entering what can only be described as kitty entertainment.
2: And I gotta ask, I noticed something as this movie started. There was no pantheon of DC superheroes. There wasn't even a
0: Warner Brothers. This is New Line? Does Warner Brothers own them? Yeah, New Line was bought by them a long time ago, hence no more Freddy movies. But I wondered, initially, was this even in the DC Extended Universe?
2: I was wondering that too, but they're gonna make that very clear it is.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, they do. But I wondered it. It definitely felt so different from all the other movies we've had thus far.
2: It takes place in Philadelphia, not Gotham or Metropolis or I don't know where Aquaman took place. but Atlantis? Yeah. The desert?
0: A blue screen?
2: I mean, yeah, this takes place in a real city like all those Marvel films do.
0: Well, I did go and see this opening night IMAX. Half full theater. It turned out there was the second showing. I don't know why, but they had a 4 p.m. Thursday showing and then a 7 p.m. Thursday showing.
2: Because some kids have early bedtimes, and that's who the market is.
0: You guys say that. There's been a... Twitter outbreak of parents saying they were not warned this was not suitable for their single-aged children, and they had to leave the theater or the children were crying or the children were scared.
2: Oh, there's definitely a part where I'm like, ooh, the tone has changed here, and I don't know if it's appropriate for children.
3: Get them while they're young. I'm a big advocate for that. <laughs> I mean, as long as you have a responsible parent to hold their hands. I mean, I think that is an important part of the movies, when you're allowed to face something that's scary. And yeah, this is a kid's film, but there are some definite scary parts i saw it too opening night but i decided to go with the real d experience gotta say strongly don't go for that it was not in 3d i'm telling you it just it was like just (laughs) watching the movie in sunglasses is all the experience was
2: I forget they still release movies in 3D. They
3: shouldn't have bothered.
2: And I saw this in regular 2D, Friday night, 8 p.m. showing. Pretty packed theater. You know, those front rows, they're always open. To me, that's pretty much sold out.
0: It's not going to beat Captain Marvel. There were also that contingent on Twitter where they said, this is the real Captain Marvel, not that SJW Marvel stuff. And this is going to show up Captain Marvel's box office. We're going to trounce them.
2: Captain Marvel made a billion Mm -hmm. dollars. It just passed that mark. March. Yeah. Stop it, Twitter people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a reason I quit Twitter. Marjorie just gives me reports.
2: Yeah, I know podcasters who just refer to it as the bad site.
0: <laughs> but no, it's expected to do well,
3: 50 million. Yeah, that's, I think, very good. And DC is on an upswing. I mean, we have been critical of some of their more recent efforts, but it should be said that after Justice League, everything seems to have been going better. Aquaman, despite our opinion, seemed to charm the world. Billion dollars. Yeah, apparently is out now with extended footage
0: I hope I never have to see. (laughs) I think they were smart with this one, though. The budget is... You know they never released it, but estimated at eighty to one hundred million. So that's low investment when it comes to a superhero film. If they make fifty opening weekend, they've almost covered half their budget. Globally, it's already going to make over a hundred million. They're going to make good money with this. So keep in mind, it's not always about having the biggest numbers. Sometimes you can have that huge number and still be reporting a loss. Here, I think they, in a lot of ways, were being strategically smart. Medium budget, totally different look. I really thought this movie, though, I was not looking forward to it. When they released that first poster of Zachary Levi in that obviously padded suit, I was like, this is going to suck. Yeah, that suit
2: is hilarious. Even in the movie, it looks like, you know, those kids that dress up as Batman for Halloween and they put on the padded torso. I never didn't think of that.
3: (laughs) But what was confusing about it is because my association with DC is the darkness. So seeing him in that, I'm like, if this is what their attempt to try and darken Shazam, that suit is just not going to fly. When I saw the trailer though, Arnie, I mean, I definitely like instantly, I think everyone goes, oh, it's the remake of the movie Big. (laughs) And what a good idea that would be. how fresh it would be to see this superhero genre cliches and tropes told through the eyes of a child learning adulthood through it I think that's a perfect marriage and again something I didn't remember from the TV show I was so young when I saw Shazam the TV show they all looked like adults on the screen to me
2: yeah I went and watched some YouTube clips of that show and yeah he is a older-looking teenager, but it's always been about a kid, and I saw that trailer, I'm like, uh, okay, I see what they're going for. They've heard what people have had to say about all those Snyder DC films, and they're trying to course-correct now.
0: Yeah, and Zachary Levi... You guys may not remember, we've talked about him on the show before. Oh yeah, you bring up Chuck a lot. Yes, I've never (laughs) seen it and never going to. Nor have I. (laughs) We discussed it because he was the replacement Fandral in Thor The Dark World. And if you blink, you miss his death in Thor Ragnarok. But they did have him on set for Thor Ragnarok. Now he's switching over to DC. He's certainly in his wheelhouse. I mean, this is Chuck, right?
2: You tell us, we have never watched it.
0: (laughs) Chuck is all about a geeky guy who has downloaded into his brain spy stuff so he can do kung fu and he can do all these spy things and he doesn't know how he's doing it. His face is going, what? While his hands are doing ninjutsu.
2: Yeah, that sounds very close to this.
0: So it's on the nose casting. The director seems like an interesting choice though. David F. Sandberg, somebody else we've talked about on the show. This is his third film. His second was Annabelle Creation. Yeah, he broke out with this little viral short, Lights Out, only
3: five years ago. I mean, you make the right short, it hits big, and God, you can be directing a franchise film of millions of dollars in five years. It's amazing how fast directors are coming up making viral work. But yeah, he comes from the horror genre, applying his craft to Shazam. Again, making me think, are they going
0: for something dark? Not quite. It's a counterintuitive choice. If casting Chuck was on the nose... This is the one that made me go, what are they thinking with that? But the studio execs see a side of these people we never see. I've seen him direct two horror films. I think that's his wheelhouse. Kind of like James Wan, the way he got stuck with horror, but wanted to go do Star Trek and Fast and Furious and all that. And I guess maybe he had a great pitch. Sure. And he was cheap. I think that matters a lot to both Marvel and DC. But let's get into it, Arnie. Give him the plot. Get to Shazam! Asher Angel is Billy Badson, a boy who, as a young child, was abandoned by his mother. He's bounced from foster home to foster home, every time running away to try and track down his lost mother, to no avail. At the start of this film, Billy is arrested again and put in a new foster home in Philadelphia, run by kindly Victor Vasquez, played by Cooper Andrews, and his wife Rosa, played by Marta Milans. In that house, he has foster brothers and sisters. Billy prevents getting attached, But when superhero-obsessed foster brother Freddy is getting bullied, Billy steps in to help the boy. This act of selflessness gains the eye of the dying wizard Shazam, played by I'll-do-your-comic-book-movie Jimon Hansel. (laughs) Yeah, we just talked
2: about him in Captain Marvel.
0: He's everywhere.
3: Yeah, he was in uh, Aquaman as a fish dude. (laughs) Yes.
2: Oh, was he? Okay. Guardians. So he really knows no bounds. Whatever publisher, he'll work for him.
0: He'll be multiple characters in the same universe. Yeah, is he going to show up in Hellboy? He agreed to Dane to put on
3: that terrible beard, so <laughs> I don't know how many people look.
0: Well, Shazam has been looking for decades for one pure of heart to give his magic to, and Billy is that one. He is transformed by saying the wizard's name into a red-suited, muscular adult played by Zachary Levi, who is basically Superman, but instead of heat vision and freeze breath, Shazam can shoot lightning from his hands. Returned to Philly, Billy enlists Freddy to help him learn his powers. He becomes a YouTube star called the Red Cyclone, but his crime fighting is limited basically to stopping a couple of muggings and robberies. Yet Billy's ego becomes as big as his pecs from this newfound power, leading to a rift between him and Freddy. Billy's ego would get put in check, though, when Mark Strong's character, Dr. Thaddeus Sivana, no, not the maker of the light bulbs. That's Sylvania. This is (laughs) Sivana. We don't know what they make. (laughs) I'm thinking Tivana. It's a company ran by Daniel Clamp. They make whatever they want. <laughs> As a young boy in the 70s, Shazam had tested Sivana to see if he was worthy, and Sivana failed the test. He spent the last 44 years searching for Shazam so he can take that power. He never got the power from the wizard, but he did release demons who represent the seven deadly sins. With the demons inside of him, Sivana has powers that rival Billy's. But the demons tell him Billy is more powerful, so Savannah finds and beats the superhero. Billy hides by returning to his childhood form, but Savannah discovers Billy's secret identity and takes hostage of all Billy's foster brothers and sisters, who deduce that Billy is the red-suited hero. This, plus Billy finding and being rejected by his birth mother, leads to Billy forming a strong bond with his foster siblings. Billy tries to save his family from Savannah and the demons, but can't do it. So he takes the wizard's staff and gives the power of Shazam to all his foster siblings. Against six Shazams, the demons are bested, innocence saved, and Savannah returned to human form and jailed. While Billy remains with his new family as a united team and credits role to a caterpillar. (laughs) So the movie opens and I'm immediately thinking of all things Batman Returns. It's a flashback, it's snowing, it's Christmas. We get a villain origin story here, and we get, would I call it a cameo from John Glover, star of Smallville? Is he? Starve Gremlins too. Well, that's because you didn't watch nine seasons of Smallville like I did. He was Lex Luthor's dad, who was equally as evil.
3: Well, it is interesting that they're putting it on Christmas because that tells you this is the story of a magical boy child. And they're going to anoint a boy to be a champion. Could it be this thad that's riding in this car on Upstate 1974? I don't know why it couldn't be. I don't quite know what the standards are for why they would pick one person in the universe to be Shazam. Well, it first of all
0: seems limited to Earth. I mean, maybe he's pulling people in from Oa and all other planets and multiverses and whatnot, but we pretty much see it's confined to humans and he he is trying to find one pure of heart, which basically means if you can walk past the seven deadly sins and not be tempted by them then you will get the power of Shazam. And he's starting with this kid who has a haircut that reminded me of the Green Goblin from Amazing Spider-Man 2, so I just know this kid's not going to be the worthy one.
3: Yeah, it's 1974, that tells you... Well, it's 74, yeah, it's too early. That was the year that the show premiered. Maybe that's why they choose it. The TV show Shazam was on at that time. It's the only reference I can find to that era, but he doesn't really look like that kid from that time. He's not riding a dirt bike. He's a rich kid who seems to be picked on because he's still wanting to play with toys. He's got a Magic 8 ball. His
2: brother and dad are so comically evil, like, they really are going for the young kids because they're really going to put a big exclamation point on how bad these two relationships are.
0: Well, they got to sell it in a matter of minutes here that this kid has a bad home life. We don't know what happened to his mother, but his older brother and his father are two of a kind. They're both bullies, and I just got the feeling he was a little nerdy for them.
2: Well, and it's a story about family, and so we got to show the bad family and how that doesn't work. There's themes there. I'm just saying it's very elementary school. It's very comical how evil this dad is. What a jerk. And I thought he died. We'll see that he's going to go. He's going to give in to temptation. He wants the power of the seven deadly
0: sin. I liked the scene though. I liked seeing the setup. I'll put this out there of all the superhero origin story movies we've done and we've done a lot at this point, this is one of the best villains. I really get his motivation, and I get him to be a full-fledged character, and I understand his reason for villainy. And here, seeing in 1974 that he was possibly going to be chosen, his father and his brother tell him he's not good enough, and then he's transported by this wizard to this mysterious cavern, And the wizard is there like, I will give you all the power of the six dead magicians plus myself. All you have to do is prove you're pure of heart.
2: This is like the big difference between DC and Marvel. All those Marvel films, the only time we ever talked about magic is like kind of Thor. And even then they're like, well, magic is just stuff science hasn't explained yet. But it's all about space rocks giving you powers or suits or serums. What about Doctor
0: Strange? He's magic.
2: Even that, they're like, you're just tapping into this different realm. You're right. That is magic. But that's one film out of 22 DC is like, oh, no, there's just a magic wizard and he's just giving people magic powers And there's like seven demons. It's just a very different reference point where Marvel's more grounded But this is a compliment for this film. This is just gonna do weird stupid magic stuff with wizards. I go along with it I'm not annoyed. It doesn't feel too kiddy for me.
0: I agree with that. Here's what I thought I was seeing though Honestly, 1974 year of my birth. I know exactly it's 44 years ago Going to be 45 pretty soon. And I am watching this. I think we're seeing the birth of a Shazam. A Shazam who is going to start as a child and then be bested by a villain in modern day. And then a new Shazam would have to be chosen. That's where I thought this was going. Again, kind of Green Lantern. The Green Lantern died, had to pass on the ring to Hal. That's what I thought I was seeing. I thought I was seeing a kid who was worthy. So when he is tempted by the seven deadly sins, I'm like, well, that's not what I expected.
3: Yeah. And I think it's right to make the comparison that it's about two boys, the both the supervillain and the superhero are children, even though we're going to see Mark Strong in the future, very much as an adult scientist, he doesn't progress past this point. He never gets over this moment when he returns to the car and they have a car crash. He almost causes them to crash into a car in another lane. And then after they've stopped, they're hit by another car. He really doesn't, from this point forward, develop past wanting to
0: know how he can return to the doorway and prove himself again to the wizard. I love the car crash scene because yeah, the kid's freaking out and you don't blame him for freaking out after being rejected by the wizard. And he's pissed because what does his father said? You're not good enough. What's his brother said? You're not good enough. He gets taken to a magic wizard and the magic wizard's like, you will never be good enough. It's reinforcing all the things that he hates. He's flipping out, trying to get out of a moving car. And yeah, the car goes spinning around. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I've had that experience on the interstate. It's scary as hell. Oh, yeah. And then the father's sitting there like, we could have gotten in a crash." Then, of course, they're sitting in the middle of the road. So they're hit. I thought that was a good. You think they're going to die? They're not. Fooled you.
2: I thought the dad was totally dead. Like, he looks dead. He gets thrown out that front windshield. He's laying there. This is all your fault. I guess the other son says that, but I was shocked when he shows up later.
3: Me too. Yeah, I think we can credit the director for this, David Sandberg. When you watch his short lights out, it's all about how when this woman turns off the light, she sees a silhouette and then turns it back on. Nothing's there. And it just plays with jump scares. And this is essentially a jump scare that works really well because he's
0: honed that craft. And then we jump to modern day, though, and we see another boy. This movie defies my every expectation, because we see him calling the cops because there's a break-in to a pawn shop, and I'm like, okay, he's a do-gooder, he's pure of heart, he's doing everything right, telling the cops, he's in there, sir, reminded me of Rain Wilson in Super, going, he's in there, but no this pure of heart kid is actually going to trap the cops i thought he was going to take their car for a joyride but he's actually just using their computer to try to find his mom
2: yeah they got to play that line where it's a kid with a chip on his shoulder but he can't be too bad because he's going to be the hero he's got to have heroic qualities so yeah he tricks the cops he's going to steal their lunch but yeah he just needs that onboard computer to try to find this woman he's in searching for his mom and i guess he's got a license plate number i don't know how he seats with her name <laughs> but yeah he gets an address
0: and I don't know if you guys have actually been to Philly I went there for the first time a couple of years ago those cheesesteaks are damn good and I would steal that lunch too <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah and they really set it up here that he's been on a lifelong Quest that his last memory of his biological mom was her winning at a carnival this keychain, and it's a compass, and she gives it to him with the idea that he'll always be able to find his way home, and then in his perspective, he drops it, it gets kicked around, and by the time he's reclaimed it, she's gone. I think all the adults in the audience would understand he has been abandoned, But he believes that she just lost track of him and since then has been rejecting every foster home he's been put into because foster homes are for kids that don't have real families. He does. He has a real mom out there. And if he could just find her, she will, of course, embrace him. It will be his journey in this movie to find out that he should be accepting of the love that is currently in his life and not look for the mom that left him behind.
2: And I understand all those themes and story points and beats they're trying to hit. Here's my thing. They do this flashback to where he gets lost. And I'm still thinking it's the 70s because that's where we open. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, he's 14. So this is like 2005. His mom's supposed to be 17. She is a hard 17. <laughs> and in 2005, how does a woman just show up and not have her kid anymore? Like, she got a Facebook. I, I got a, <laughs> uh, I guess Facebook, maybe 2005. A MySpace, definitely. There's got to be pictures of that kid. I'm like... How did she just walk away and no one questioned where her kid was?
3: Agreed. They could have almost made this a time capsule, right? Like, why not have both kids in the 70s and just keep the villain a kid? I mean, they could have done that and made it an 80s retro thing. That would have been hip. But yes, it's unlikely in this day and age of fingerprinting and cameras everywhere that we wouldn't be able to track down this woman days, if not hours, after she walks away from Billy.
0: True. I never thought about that. I suppose it would be easy enough to just tell cops, I lost my son. No, it's not that kid. And not let the kids see you. It's a little bit cruel, isn't it? Here's a compass. You'll always find your way home. I'm leaving this kid right now. I mean, It's like her last sentence is, you'll always find your way home. And what she's going to say later on is, it was an impulsive decision. She did lose him. She did look for him. And she saw him in the care of the cops and was like, he'll be fine with them. I'm struggling as it is. I'll admit that actress, Caroline Palmer, she has one scene of playing darts and I get stress from her the way she just says, I'm not going pro here, the pressure to get that damn tiger. I get from her that she is a mother under a lot of pressure.
2: Oh yeah, I get that. They allude abusive boyfriends, maybe drugs, who knows? They don't want to get too dark. They'll get dark with monsters, but yeah, real life darkness, I don't think they really want to get into.
3: I think they play it just right. We get the sense that she has a troubled past, and we get in this beginning here just from his perspective, that he has something to realize. I would think most kids by this point would feel abandoned, but he doesn't feel abandoned. He feels determined to find his mom. And so, yeah, he's manipulated the cops and gone to the suburban house in Philly. And of course, the stinger joke is when she opens the door, she's of a different race, couldn't be his biological mom. And so he's going to have to go live with foster parents, at least for the time being, until he can run away again.
0: Let me just say, there's a lot going on here, but I'm feeling the pace of this movie. And I think this is a long half an hour as we're introduced to two children. This is only a half hour, this opening? I watched the clock, and Act 1 is about 32 minutes, which is a long Act 1.
2: It feels long, yeah.
0: Usually, though, in a two-hour film, I'm used to 30-minute Act 1, but I'm used to people bringing in something in Act 1 to provide the excitement and things. Here, I think we're supposed to be adrenalized off the car crash, and that's supposed to carry us through here. This movie is going to spend a lot of time building characters here. It's going to require an investment of patience. I think it's an investment that pays off, but I definitely felt a couple of times like, oh boy, okay, let's get on with it. I really wondered if there were a couple too many foster kids because did we need to have all of them? We get introduced to a couple, a couple just run through the room. It was feeling a little Annie.
3: Well, I didn't predict what they were going to do. Power Rangers? They're going to turn the whole family into a family of superheroes. It is mentioned in the beginning prologue, seven deadly sins. And also there are seven... Seats. They mentioned Hercules and Zeus and what have you. Seven characters from Greek mythology.
2: There were seven wizards
3: at one point. But there aren't seven kids here, right? There's five foster kids and there's Billy.
2: We'll talk about number seven when Billy goes to the cave. I think I know who number seven was. I was wondering if they were going to do, and again, I'm going to these old names. This was the Marvel family as they were called in the comics, Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Jr. It was just Mary and Freddy. I guess in the 2011 reboot of the entire DC universe, they added Eugene and Darla and Pedro and expanded that Marvel. I don't even, I guess they're just called the Shazam family now. I don't know what they go by, but I was wondering if they were going to do this in the first film. Are we going to see Mary Marvel? Are we going to see Captain Marvel Jr. in this first film? And they will go there eventually.
0: I did go see this with my friend Ryan. He's a big DC guy, right? Yeah, he's the DC guy. And walking out, he's like, I knew they were going to do that because that's how they did it in the new 52. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Really, these movies do seem to be following the new 52. Like the new 52 was done as a movie template.
2: Well, yeah, they could erase 70 years of contradictory backstory and just reboot everything and say, this is the story now. This is how it's going to be.
3: But I would say just as a casual person going into this movie, I had no expectation that it would embrace the idea that everyone can be a superhero. I just didn't think it was going to be anyone other than Shazam. So it did seem like a lot to learn about all of these other characters. Why do we need Mary, who she's introduced on the phone, giving a college interview. She's possibly going to go to school in California, and that's going to take her away from Philadelphia. Eugene is a tiny gamer kid. Darla cries when her hugs are rejected. She has a lot of attachment issues. Pedro's the fat kid
0: that wants muscles. I got a big Rudy vibe off of Darla, and I really liked her. She just seems so genuine and nice, and she made the sign, and it tears. She was the one who I thought would matter. Plus, from the trailers, I knew Freddie was going to be a big part of it. And Jack Dylan Grazer was in It, so I knew that actor. But I felt like, why did we have Pedro? Why did we have Mary? Why did we have Eugene? I thought it was just to add chaos. I thought they were background characters that were a diversion. They do become very major characters, so it does matter.
2: Again, this is a story about family and about Billy having to accept these as his siblings. I thought we were going to get these little moments with each one. Like, at one point, we see Pedro. He's, like, failing math, and he throws out in the garbage can. I'm like... Ah, Billy's going to come in and help him with his math. Nope, that never happens. They just use that as a plot device for Pedro to figure out something else. But like that never comes back. I really thought that was going to be like the story of the family, not as Shazam saving them, but as Billy coming and helping them with each of their little problems.
3: I suspect there are cutscenes. I suspect when this shows up for home viewing, all of the added features will be more time with these kids because there's really not enough of them to endear you to too much. You're right. Darla's cute. But the only one I care about is Freddie Friedman who... Is he disabled or is he just recovering from broken lit? I took it as he's disabled.
2: Yeah, in the comic he's disabled. He has a crutch like that.
3: You know, he's so full of sass and fire. He keeps joking that he got him because the foster dad pushed him out the window and he has cancer. And I never could actually get a sense about what was going on with him. So there is something wrong with his walking that's not going to heal.
0: The one line he says that's true, and this was in the trailer, is he's like, Oh, you're like, why so dark? You're a disabled foster kid. You have it all. He has a sense of humor humor about where he is, which is something Billy does not have. Billy's like, I'm not going to get attached. I'm not even going to be here that long. Although, That last woman he went to see was the last address in his book. He had 45 different people that had his mother's name. He'd gone city to city.
2: That's what I was going to ask. Are there 45 Batsons in Philadelphia? Or was he traveling the country? Was he riding the rails like, ah, there's one out in California. Let's go see if that's her.
3: It was mentioned that he came from Pittsburgh two weeks before. So I take it to
0: mean that he was moving around.
2: Okay. Yeah, because we'll find out he's from what? Minnesota originally. That's where he got
3: lost.
0: Yeah, so he was on a very slow travel east. But when you don't have a driver's license, that's pretty remarkable in and of itself. And Freddy, probably
3: because of his disability, is the character that's obsessed with superheroes. He has a whole memorabilia case full of like a bullet that hit Superman and got smashed or the batarang
0: that was used. And I don't know, in one of the movies maybe we saw? He said it was a replica batarang. And I actually think that was a product placement. I own that batarang.
2: (laughs) But I did like these little details because with the Marvel Universe, I don't know if we've ever seen it like really ground level. Like here we see kids and they're talking about Superman and Batman. And yeah, he's supposedly has this authentic bullet that bounced off of Superman. And it's kind of neat to see like, is something missing from Aquaman where that could have just been a Aquaman story before the Justice League ever happened. I don't know. But here, yeah, they're referencing that larger DC Universe. So even though we're, well, we'll kind of see Superman in this, but we don't really see them. It feels like it's still set in that universe if that's where they want to go
0: i like that a lot what we've seen in the marvel universe is like at the end of avengers we saw kids were inspired we've seen toys we've seen kids playing with captain america shields and whatnot but here if this is a world where superheroes are real and I can't decide if in this world superheroes are fictitious. Like, did they ever have superhero comic books or did superheroes just come out of nowhere? But in a world where there is a Superman and a Wonder Woman and there is a Batman and a Flash and a Cyborg and an Aquaman, it makes sense that they would be teen idols, right? I mean, they would be the Jonas Brothers of their time.
2: Yeah, or the sports stars, the Michael Jordans of their time as well, for boys.
0: And again, this
3: is the perspective of the movie, is what superheroes mean to children. Freddie is our character that is most directly tapped into that. They all like them and all wish to be bigger and have attributes of adulthood, but it's Freddie who specifically covets being a superhero, and because of that, Billy thinks he can sell his memorabilia, and with that cash, go back out on the road. That's the turning point, is that at the time he's about to leave the family, Freddie has a run-in with the school bullies,
0: Brett and Burke Breyer. Those are some serious bullies that you hit someone with your car.
2: And they park like that regularly. They just drive up under the curb and go to school. Like, we'll see them do that again later.
0: They go to that school. I don't get this school
2: because Darla seems like she's elementary school. Mary's about to go to college. Mm -hmm. Fawcett Central, again, giving a nod to Fawcett Comics, who originally published Shazam. But I don't know. In Philadelphia, do you have schools that are K through 12?
3: (laughs) Seems unlikely, but again, this feels like a Nickelodeon show to me. And so I just go with the illogic of that. Everyone in the foster house is going to go to the same school. And Brett and Burke, what we're supposed to understand is Billy demonstrates in this moment the attribute that the wizard is looking for, right? That's why after this scene, he is chosen to become Shazam except everything before that was pretty crappy, right? Like, he was not innocent. He had stolen the Superman bullet. He was going to sell it for money. The only reason he turns around and helps this kid who's being beaten up is because they dare to make fun of him for not having a mother. And that's the trigger. For Billy, that's such a sore point that he can't find his mother and that he doesn't have a mother figure.
2: Ain't that the trigger for the entire DC Cinematic Universe? (laughs) Martha, your name's Martha too. Aquaman was all about finding his mom. DC loves moms.
0: I was surprised Billy's mom was not named Martha.
2: But yeah, again, Stuart, I think they got to play that line. They want to show that he's got an edge. he got to have a story arc. He's got to change. But they don't want to make him too bad. So he's going to stick up for the disabled kid. He's on the search to find his mother. He wants family. You know, he's rough around the edges, but he's got a good heart, is what I think they're trying to say.
3: What I wondered, we're going to see the wizard here at Act 2. Two people are going to come to him. The first one's going to be Thaddeus Savannah. Thad has grown up, become a doctor, and he's got a whole big plot about how he came back. He makes the point, maybe this wizard has too high a standard. Like maybe in trying to find the one perfect person, he missed out on a whole lot of opportunities for people to play the role of Shazam. I think that Billy is a compromise. I think that he gets chosen not because it's taken millennia to find this pure of heart. He's not pure of heart. It's just that, oh my God, with that having done just what he did, we need somebody, anybody, to fill the gold and red suit
2: oh it's definitely a compromise and we'll see we'll get a little bit of backstory about shazam we find out that the wizard they created a shazam before and he's the one who created the seven deadly sins that shazam i'm gonna call it now he's number seven of this family that's black adam who is the original shazam in the comics an egyptian going all the way back to the pharaoh days and the rock is that still rumor that he's gonna play black adam yes
0: did you notice Dwayne Johnson was credited as a executive producer of this film in the opening credits
2: Ah, I did not see that
0: and it was supposed to be Shazam and Black Adam this first movie they had announced they'd cast The Rock to be Black Adam they were developing the Shazam movie they decided there was going to be a different Black Adam movie separate from the Shazam movie but now Dwayne Johnson he doesn't have to work but he gets set a paycheck for Shazam (laughs) he is able to pull that so this is definitely Building into a Shazamiverse. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, Black Adam originally was like a villain. Now, in the modern reboots, he's more of an anti hero. So I could see them like fighting and then teaming up to fight the caterpillar that we'll talk about at the end of this
3: film. All right. Fair enough.
2: But you talk about Dr. Savannah going and yeah he gets that power of the seven deadly sins and it's a very scary scene like he's going to get his revenge against his dad who's still alive he's in a wheelchair and his brother and the whole board of the Savannah Corporation this is where I'm like ooh I don't know little kids this might be scary to them.
3: Even before that the original actress from Lights Out the one that is flipping the lights on and off she's playing this scientist that's she thinks she's doing interviews about mass hysteria everyone is having this same episode in which they see symbols and this wizard comes to them and they fail a test. When she melts into ash, I think that is the cue that lets you know this is going to have some Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of scariness, which I like. I advocate. I definitely think that kids movies should have parts that are too scary for kids. They cover their eyes and they start to acclimate to the idea of fear and being able to handle it. I think it's a healthy thing.
2: And I agree. I I like that about a lot of 80s children's movies, how inappropriate they can get. Garbage pill kids. Or just like even the old Disney stuff. We're going to kill the moms and you're going to have to confront death. I like that. I'm just saying I know there's parents that are sensitive to that, so be warned.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I was thinking about some childhood films that I saw, but now that you've mentioned Raiders... I was watching Raiders when I was about 10. I was covering my eyes for those face-melting scenes. Oh, yeah. And every so often, I'd be like, is it over yet? And I'd see something I did not want to see, nightmare-inducing. But you're right. I think it did... Introduce me to you you got to see it at some point yes
3: it's a way of feeling safe you're in a place you're by people you love and something really terrifying happens and it's intense for five ten seconds and then you realize okay it's gone and I can handle it I think you have to acclimate and I think from the earliest Disney cartoons they have always introduced something scary as a way of getting you used to the world that's Yeah, let's face it, full of things that are horrific.
2: Do you think by having her turn to Ash, it kind of downplayed it? Because I know my wife turned to me and she's like, oh, Thanos just snapped his fingers. (laughs) Having her, I mean, kids, that's what they associate with death now, just turning to dust.
3: I thought it was pretty frightening. It was unexpected. And the credibility that Sandberg has as a horror director is working in his favor here. This is making the villain and the seven deadly sins more threatening than you might imagine a kids film villain to be. And that's a positive. It hooks me in. It makes me more excited
0: when we're not doing all of the fish-out-of-water comedy. And I like the look of Mark Strong. Mark Strong is... An actor who later in his life has become somebody I've really paid attention to.
2: Yeah, I just notice him all the time now.
0: Yeah, he was in Kick-Ass. He was in both Kingsman films. Stardust. Yeah, Stardust. Basically, he follows around that director, Matthew Vaughn. But he's here as Thad, as we're, I guess we're calling him. And
2: Well, Dr. Savannah is what he goes by in the comic. We could call him whatever, though.
0: Okay, He's here as whatever, and there's that... They call it the eye, and that's what he is supposed to resist as a child. I think it's a good test. I mean, maybe Shazam was being too picky, but I think if you are going to be tempted by the seven deadly sins, then you could abuse the power of Shazam. And so you need to be able to walk past those seven sins. Thad not only can't do it, no human has been able to do it in the 44 years, but he's the one although they probably say it to every single person, the seven deadly sins say, come find us. They are trapped in statue form. They want to be released. And he goes, he grabs this eye and it becomes a literal eye. It shrinks and impales his face. And now he has this glowy eye and the scar on his face. I thought it was a nice, subtle supervillain look.
2: I don't know if this is based on the new reboot. Again, Dr. Savannah was just kind of like a mad scientist, but they're going to make him the bad guy. Capital BG for bad guy. Because, yeah, he's going to have the magic powers, too.
3: Right. He's going to be most associated with envy. He's envious of the idea that this other kid is going to be able to waltz in here without having to take the test. Because he's taking the sins with him and just become Shazam like that.
0: Yeah. Could Billy have passed the test. That's the question. He definitely gets a fast pass. You know, he may be like Aunt Becky's son here where he doesn't have to pass the exam. He can just get into college. I just thought he got it a little easy. I don't know if he was worthy. And in fact, I guess we're supposed to see he's not worthy because he does have greed. He does have pride. So he is going to abuse the powers.
3: Yeah, what we missed in this movie is the wizard coming to that epiphany he spent too long looking for the one when apparently by the end of it, it could be anybody like the whole Foster family. Anyone has the potential to be a superhero or a supervillain because Dr. Savannah is pretty villainous. As you say, when he comes into this boardroom and we see these sins literally bite the heads off people and smashing people against the frosted glass of the
0: conference room, the brother gets thrown out the window We see better shots of heads getting bit off than we did in Venom. I could not believe the decapitation shot, and I bet that it was trimmed a little bit. I bet that it went a little further, but you see the mouth around the neck, and then you see in the reflection of the window, the headless body as it goes thrown through the window. If I had had my way, I'd have made the seven deadly sins a little bit more discernible. I had trouble figuring out which was which. It was basically seven random demons in my mind.
2: Yeah, Greed had four arms because I guess he wants to grab stuff. Sloth or gluttony, I'm not sure which one was really
0: fat. There was one with a tongue. Is that Lust? I don't know. I thought Lust was like the giant vagina dentata. (laughs) that looked like it came out of Clive Barker's Tortured Souls figure series.
3: Yeah, I thought it was a good design on all this stuff. Again, I think I'm crediting this director. The horror background is clear now. The reason why this works in my mind better than Spider-Man Homecoming is because Vulture had really nothing to do with Spider-Man. Like, that villain wasn't a good match for that coming-of-age John Hughes wannabe story. Here, the fact that this is a rejected child versus a rejected child and we see the darkness of one and the
0: lightness of another, it's a much more natural pairing that it just really works well. And I have a problem with so many origin stories because they have to do that, right? I mean, if you have Batman and the Joker or you have Green Goblin and Spider Man, they don't come from the same place. But so many of the origin movies, they need to tell two origin stories, so they're going to find a villain that's basically a dark version of the hero. You're going to have Ironmonger versus Iron Man. You're going to have Abomination versus Hulk. It's all just the same power in the hands of an evil person, but here, I think it's done really well because they do feel like characters, and you're able to see two different ways children handle that rejection. It feels more real, which is why I say this is one of the best origin story villains. Not only did they pick a villain with an origin story the same as the hero, but they've done so in a way that just feels natural and not forced.
3: And yet, I would also say Sandberg's also good with the comedy. We're at the 32-minute mark. It's act two. Enter Zachary Levi. And I do think that his Tom Hanks impersonation is pretty good once we get into Big.
2: Yeah, if they're going to remake Big, I guess you could say this is a remake of Big, maybe. This guy could pull that off. He does what Tom Hanks did in that film.
0: He's got a Tom Hanks look, right? The curly, dark hair and everything. I did notice one thing. I think when they cast young Billy, they were saying, oh, the kid's got brown eyes. We'll just color his eyes in post and then decided to cheap out because teenage Billy and adult Billy have green eyes. But beyond that, I think he does a good job. Like I said, he's done this role on television for what, five years of playing the, oh my God, I have superpowers. But I'll say we're reviewing big this Friday. We've already recorded that review. Tom Hanks comes into big in 10 minutes. Yeah, We're at the 32 minute mark before Zachary Levi shows up.
3: That's a real problem for you? It wasn't a real problem for me. I mean, I felt like it was packed, but I didn't feel impatient for it. I had forgotten that we were going to build to this. There had been so much about setting up the villain that I had forgotten that the majority of this movie is just going to be about watching Levi have fun in the red suit.
2: And to me, that's where I kind of test my patience. The second act where yeah, it's goofy superhero hype. Jinx, I get it. You're trying to learn your powers and it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going until it feels like someone finally said, hey, we need to have the bad guy show up and get this movie to move along.
3: And yet, I would say in terms of pacing, Spider-Man Homecoming did the same thing. I was much more impatient with that film. I felt it was much more labored all the time they would give to the high school
0: hijinks stuff. I think I was just more into the Peter Parker high school hijinks, but I'm just saying I felt it, not I hated it. In retrospect, I think if I were to rewatch the film, I'd appreciate this first half hour or more because I realize there are more than three characters that matter. When watching it the first time, I'm focusing on Billy, Freddie, and Savannah. Right. And I think those are the only three who matter. Why are we spending time on these other things? But once Zachary Levi shows up, it does become a much funnier film. Up to this point, there have been laughs. People have laughed in my audience, but... It's been more wry humor. Here, it's going to become slapstick and complete farcical Three Stooges-like body humor.
3: Yeah, some jokes that feel worthy a big, too. Like, all right, so he's a superhero. What are his powers? They're going to spend a lot of time recording him and seeing how he compares to Superman. He can't make the lasers come out of his eyes, so he fakes it with his fingers. Or he goes to help a woman being mugged, but of course, she doesn't need him. She's already maced the guy, and he calls her an old lady. I mean, this all worked back in 1988 for Tom Hanks. It works now. 40 years from now, when they make another one of these things, it's going to work then. It's just time. (laughs)
0: You got Zachary Levi, curly hair, wearing a red suit, not really able to do his powers, attempting to fly and falling. Was I the only one getting like a big greatest American hero flashback off of this? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Do people know what that is? It's actually getting rebooted this year. They're bringing it back. I think it's going to be a female Greatest American Hero, but just the whole, I can't fly, I can't use my powers, and I was really thinking they might be looking back at that old show for some inspiration. Well, I
3: think that... Greatest American Hero was probably a response to Shazam, the Saturday morning cartoon character. So I think there's probably a direct correlation.
0: Oh, I thought it was just a response to Christopher Reeve's Superman. <laughs>
3: well,
2: that
0: too.
2: <it. laughs> yeah, I, I will say, Zachary Levi, I buy him as being an adult, but with the mind of a child. Like the way he refers to people. I look, where can I get your finest beer? And then they're just staring. They don't know which one to actually buy. He embodies that.
0: I love the way he says that line. He just, the delivery of that line, I'd like some of your finest beer, please. And then he just walks off. And the way that one shot is done, Shazam walks off the screen, but Freddy is behind him. Like Freddy was in, you know, it just, it was a really well done shot that I thought captured the entire spirit of the movie. And I'm having a lot of fun as they're determining what his powers are. I'm determining what his powers are. I feel like I know most comic book superheroes I didn't know Shazam shot lightning. Yeah, and the bullet thing. I mean, that was really intense because, yeah, is it the suit or is it his skin that can deflect
3: the (laughs) bullet? That
2: was a funny moment. Yeah,
3: Yeah. (laughs) when the fact that they have to shoot him again and the gun back to the guys, even at the convenience store, (laughs) shoot me in the face. Boy, you're putting a lot of stock in that working out for you. But, of course, it does. It just tickles him, and then he's able to wrap him up in Christmas
0: lights and throw him out the window. I just kept thinking, if I had superpowers... The first thing I wouldn't do is try to punch a cement pillar because I think that's going to hurt or break my hand. I wouldn't say shoot me in the face. I would probably test a few things, but it works because they're young teenagers. If I was 13 or something, I'd happily smash my hand into cement.
2: They live in a universe where Superman exists. Why not? You got a magic suit. You met a wizard. Let's punch this cement column
0: right
3: and the comparison like you point out between Shazam and Superman has been ongoing since the 1940s so trying to differentiate him from Superman with the Superman fanboy Freddie it makes sense and there's probably too much of it is what I would argue is like there's just so many bits that are too priceless to give up that we end up having like a 20-minute montage of all of these things it would have done better to be less
2: I agree uh, though I did enjoy a lot of, like where he thinks he's invisible because Freddie convinces him because I that's part of like tapping into your powers just believing and then yeah you see some people making fun of him because of the suit and he's not invisible there's a lot of funny bits there's just a lot of them though
3: drinking dr pepper and then you get to the idea of like well how do you pee in that suit he had said it earlier he had to figure it out right then and there because he drank the entire soda machine and i don't know what you'd cut that's the problem and so they didn't they're like they're all the bits we did were good the gentleman's club booty trap we got to set that up coming out eating a chicken wing saying we need more money we got got to do all of these things. We've got to work the entire movie a big into this 20-minute montage, so they air on overindulgence, but we do have a lot of fun, and we instantly like this character now.
0: And it's teaching us about the character in what I would consider to be a pretty efficient manner. I mean, when you have most origin stories of heroes, they learn their powers slowly throughout the entire movie. They just, oh, I can fly. Oh, I have this. And he does... The flying thing takes him a long time. But here, we're getting to see him discover the powers. I'm having fun with it. I really am. The movie certainly never feels rushed. It never feels like somebody was in that editing room saying, cut, cut, cut. But this part is just a lot more fun because I'm laughing. I'm smiling. And Zach Levi, I didn't think he could carry a movie. I really didn't. I thought he barely carried a TV show and he got Cut from Ragnarok, pretty much, but I think he's got a good charisma here. He's actually pulling off what I didn't think he could.
2: Yeah, the thing that came across my mind while watching this, and it's not on the same level, but I was thinking of Robert Downey Jr. in that original Iron Man, where Marvel's like, hey, we're going to start a cinematic universe with this character. Like people kind of know who he is, but not like the average person, I don't think. But let's make a movie. Same with Shazam. It's like, eh, let's take this character now that no one knows about. And yeah, they get an actor that's charismatic. that's funny that could carry the film I'm like oh they're actually pulling off something like I never thought they could pull off a Shazam film because I don't care about Shazam I don't know many people who do but yeah as I'm watching this I'm like this is funny he's got charm I'm enjoying myself
3: Yeah, I think the comparison to Iron Man is apt. You didn't know what to expect from the superhero and he's living beyond your expectations because of that. There is one awkwardly inserted moment. I will say in all of this, the scene that I feel really doesn't work, but they got to do it because it sets up a theme is that for some reason Mary has just read her college acceptance letter and she almost walks into the the path of a plow. And like he (laughs) he happens to be there. It
2: is Christmas. Did Shane Black write this script? Was this supposed to be released in December? Like it is weird. This entire film takes place in December.
3: Yeah, but again, I mean, it's all about a magical boy being born and... and Thematically, I, I see the tie there, but like, Suzanne blows in, saves her from that, and then basically she's upset because she did get into college, and that means going to California and leaving her foster family in Philadelphia, and he gets to say the line that we've known that he's felt, but he gets to actually verbalize Families are for people that can't take care of themselves. And so he's all about, I don't need this foster family that hasn't gone away. And that really does become the rift between him and Freddie.
0: He basically reveals his secret identity in this scene and he pretends he has psychic powers, which I think is a good cover. Nobody knows who the hell this red cyclone is anyway. Just some YouTube videos. So... He could be psychic for all anybody knows. But this scene did feel weird. It felt weird to me because once he becomes an adult, I'm like, is this going to be the love interest? Because that's really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it just is. And I also... We'll talk about this on Friday. I cannot relate to a person who would get into a college far away and not want to just go <laughs> the hell there. If I'd gotten into a university in California by I am not being seen in Illinois ever again. So I just can't relate to her plight. But I understand that that's the whole theme of the movie. You're supposed to care about family. I shouldn't find that. I'm just too big of a cynic, I guess. You want him and Freddy to work out. I agree. The other foster kids'
3: relationship, it's like, whatever. I mean, I don't really feel for them. But yeah, with Freddy, because he is such the superhero fanboy and has helped Shazam become who he is... You do feel the pain when he overplays hand. He tells the bullies, oh, I'm such a good buddy with Shazam. I can make him come to lunch. And of course he can't. And that's embarrassing. He ends up with the suitcase wedgie. And meanwhile, his friend who could, he could have done that, who is entertaining crowds on the Rocky Steps, doing an (laughs) Eye of the Tiger routine.
2: I mean if this was in LA this would be in front of the Mans Chinese Theater or Grom Chinese Theater, I guess change the name. If it's New York, this would be at Times Square. Like this is what I thought about is all those people who dress up in these superhero costumes and charge you five bucks for a selfie.
0: And again, Zachary Levi, I don't know how many actors could actually pull off to Eye of the Tiger going, Lightning. Lightning from my hands and making it work, but it just shows he is so abusing the power and he's he's a busker. It's like you are a superhero. We've seen him rob ATMs, and now he's just got a guitar case in front of him so people can throw change as he shoots lightning. When they robbed the ATM, I thought, wow, that's going a little far for a kid's movie, you know, we're seeing him. Rob, but I guess because it's robbing an ATM, people think it's not real people getting hurt. It's insured. I did like the beer scene. They bought the beer, and they drank, and I'm like, wow, underage drinking. But they spit it out. They go back in for the soda. They ride a very fine line of how bad they're going to let Billy become. It's never going to go Superman 3, but it is... (laughs) Certainly an abuse of power that Shazam the Wizard had feared.
3: Yeah, and it gets to its crux here because Freddy comes to him on the steps and he erroneously throws a lightning bolt. It hits a bus and suddenly all of these people's lives are in jeopardy because he was flippant with his power and he's got to figure out a way to save and actually be a superhero. Being a superhero is not posing for selfies, it's actually catching buses that fall and I love the first he has to like pull out the bed mattress, the <laughs> urine stain bum mattress that was over there.
2: That's the thing. Even when he finally does become a superhero, they're not going to lose that humor. That is going to remain throughout this film. And yeah, I think it works for this character. Watching that bus, hanging off there. Again, it's a little bit scary. You got those passengers falling and smashing against the front glass windshield. Is that going to break? But he catches it, and then, oh no, there's a dog in the way. And come on, puppy, move. Like, they're always going to retain that sense of humor.
0: (laughs) All right, I'm going to be a spoil sport. Uh
2: Uh-oh. You didn't like the dog
0: moment? No, I liked the dog moment quite a bit, actually. But if the bus fell and he caught it, or the bus fell and hit the ground, it's still going to have the same velocity right and okay you can't do this
2: because this applies to every superhero what about iron man catching people falling from the sky yes the velocity would kill them the physics are different
0: well no he's usually flying down and going with their momentum and changing the direction
2: i'm sorry go back watch all the marvel films and apply that it doesn't work you can't do that
0: i just felt like they would have all died from that impact but i thought that would be the moment he learned to fly because if he could fly he could gently cushion it but he's going to learn to fly later if this had been the moment that he learned he could levitate i'd have gone with it
2: well he's going to learn how to levitate soon
3: yeah i mean this gets him the news coverage And the news coverage gets him Dr. Savannah and that's when he learns how to fly because Savannah doesn't play. He comes down and he doesn't care that this is a 14-year-old boy. He understands that you're a kid. So is he in a certain sense. Why would that make me pull my punches? I'm going to beat the
0: shit out of you because I have envy. That is a decent fight. They did not put a lot of money into special effects the way that you've seen in some of the other films. Aquaman had better effects but it's better than the worst parts of Black Panther. I went with the scenes. (laughs) If anything, I wish we could have gotten to this a little bit earlier, but I think that like
3: now that we have villain versus superhero and he realizes the stakes... Again, I keep going back to... I know they want me to think about Superman, but I keep going back to the Spider-Man films and the way that Marvel rebooted with Homecoming, and he's just a much more fitting villain than Michael Keaton's Vulture. And it feels like a playground fight
0: that has epic stakes to it. And that's the way it should feel in a kid's superhero film. Yeah, and it explains, like you said, Jacob, and I remember this now from talking to Ryan, is in DC's universe, magic is a special thing. Like Superman, you can't hurt him with bullets, but magic. Magic
2: can hurt Superman, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is crazy.
0: Yeah, because (laughs) it's magic. And so we have Savannah here saying the weapons of man can't hurt us, But magic can hurt magic. And so now he's got a bloody nose and it looks like he's gotten beaten up by bullies. I think you're dissing Homecoming a lot. I liked the theme of the bad being your girlfriend's father. I thought that went very well with the teenage romance aspect, that twist that came in the movie. I, I agree, Vulture and his socioeconomic quest didn't fit with peter parker very well but i liked the way the relationships between those characters worked but yes this is i said it one of the best origin villains first movie villains it is because they come from the same place and yet have two different goals and it took me for the movie to call it out later that yes This Sivana is being controlled by Envy. When the demons come out of him to fight, Envy is staying inside of him. That is the one, because he envied his brother's approval from his father. He didn't seem to envy his father's company. He didn't have greed or anything like that. But now he's envious that there could be a magician with more power than he has. And that's what's going to drive this whole thing. And we're going to finally see something that I think this does big better than big, we see that Billy gets scared and he changes back to child form. He's like, I don't want to be an adult anymore because this hurts. I'm going to become a kid and I'm going to run away like a child.
2: They do call out big. They fight through a toy store and step on a giant keyboard. I
0: thought that was hysterical. I also like that he runs past Batman toys. One of them goes, I'm Batman. And he throws it at Savannah. Get it, Batman! There's some funny DC humor here that's keeping me smiling. Because this isn't world's greatest action. It's fine action. But I'm not really feeling the blows. But it's a chase scene. And it's a good chase scene that goes through multiple locations.
3: Right. This is a kid that is running away from his responsibility. Why wouldn't he? Because he's not ready for it. Because he's not mature. Because it takes the whole adolescence for you to be ready to be an adult. Jumping ahead isn't a great idea. If you could snap your fingers and be that way, it would lead to these kinds of problems. So yeah, he's going to run away and leave Freddie in danger. And then they have to awkwardly solve the whole mother issue. Like, I know they needed to do this, but it's a real strange notion that he immediately comes home and Eugene, the hacker, has somehow, through the power of the internet, found out that his mom is two stops away on the subway.
2: Which is crazy. They were in Minnesota, they went their separate ways, and now she lives two blocks away.
3: Yeah, her name's not Martha, it's Marilyn Batson, and she's living with a different guy named Travis now, a whole other life. And again, I think Any adult would have predicted what she's going to tell him here, but he had to hear it from her in order to know the truth.
0: It's effective shorthand. What I went to, because there's this Travis inside who's constantly screaming, who's out there? And it reminded me of the shorthand that was used in Forrest Gump with Janae's abusive boyfriend. You just, in this scene, get a child-friendly way of knowing she's at least emotionally abused, maybe physically abused. She has a bad life, and... She's just not even going to play when Billy shows up. She's like, I left you behind because I couldn't deal with you. I still can't deal with you. And Billy's going to put on a good face. It shows he's maturing faster because I would have thought he'd have begged for his mom to take him back. Yeah,
2: I like the little moment. He takes that compass that he had from when he got lost. He's like, "Ah, here, you need this more than I do.
3: Mm -hmm. I like that, too. Yeah. And, you know, he realizes the kids that got him to this point are his real family, and they're in jeopardy because Freddy has brought Dr. Savannah home. They're now being held as bait, and he's got
0: to come back as Shazam to fight the climax. They quickly dispatch with Rosa and Victor, the parents. This needs to be a kid's movie about either a old man who is in arrested development emotionally, or a bunch of kids but i like rosa and victor too it is hard to sell this kind of cloyingness to me and not have me feel like it's a sappy party of five type thing but i thought they were funny multicultural fun but rosa and victor tell the kids stay home we're gonna go look for billy and so they're not around when the danger comes Silvana's gonna take the five children hostage And they'd all figured it out. Freddy was told, we had a scene where Darla finds out because Billy doesn't know he can change back into child form. And so they go into her room and she sees him. They don't think she can keep a secret, but she does. The others figure it out on their own after the big fight.
2: Yeah, they see some TV footage with Shazam and... Freddie arguing and they're like that reminds me of Freddie and Billy and how they argue and then Mary yeah puts all the clues together I do love Darla she's just like bursting at the seams when they figure it out so she could reveal that she knew without actually breaking the promise that she wouldn't tell.
0: She said I'm a good sister and some little kid in my audience went no you're not you still told. <laughs> she
2: did not tell.
0: <laughs> she's, she's I know. She's i She's
2: innocent I, as far as I'm concerned
0: I agree completely I just that was one time somebody had an outburst in my audience I was like well oh, Oh, that's strange. Might I hit a personal note? Who you knows <laughs> what was going on. With but anyway, they're the
3: ones that really rescue Shazam here because we have the moment kneel before Zod. Like <laughs> Shazam comes back, and the, here's the deal: like you're a coward, you're a fourteen year old boy. You need to give up this power. Put your hands on the staff. Say your name, and I'll get it.
0: And then you guys, what get to live? Is that the whole deal? Savannah's plan is really nebulous, right? Because he wants power. But why does he want power? Because of the research he's done to find this magical realm where Shazam the Wizard lived, he's got money. He doesn't need his father's inheritance, which he probably has. What is he going to do with this power after he gets it back at his dad?
3: I think because the wizard told us this story about what happened to previous civilizations, the seven deadly sins need this power to create an apocalypse.
0: Which is exactly where I was going, is... They keep telling Savannah the demons are using you. They don't care about you. But yet the movie I don't feel ever does a good job of selling that because at some point I feel Savannah should be betrayed. The demons should turn on him and he should suffer the consequences of having trusted these. But... I think the deal is Savannah won't kill them now, but if Savannah gets that power, the demons are going to kill entire civilizations as they have in the past, and there's not going to be anyone that can stop them. So it might just be a short-term extension.
2: Yeah, I get it. It's nebulous. It's bad guy wants bad power to do bad things. We never see that moment like in this cave, we'll see all the seven sins leave Savannah, this is where we, and this is where I noticed it. His eye goes from glowing blue to just a dull white, which means, oh, he doesn't have that power. We don't see him all of a sudden being like, oh, they're out of me. I, I, this has gone too far. And then they got to repossess him. He's just a bad guy, whether they're, he's being possessed by the seven sins or not.
3: And this is what I was talking about. This is where the Foster family saves Shazam because Freddy's got that ring, and once the sins are out of that, he can get stuck in the back. And
2: this is like my one complaint about Shazam because we haven't talked about what the name means. It's an acronym, Wisdom of Solomon, Strength of Hercules, etc., etc. Shazam ain't very smart. Like I, I'd never see that Wisdom of Solomon. Maybe <laughs> he could argue it at the end when he gets Envy to come out, but he was told he's got to get all those seven sins out of him. He never deducts that from his own Wisdom of Solomon.
0: You're right, because at one point with that invisibility test, Freddie says, I was also testing for super intelligence. You don't have it.
3: (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah, he's not the ideal candidate. And I guess I've come to accept that he was just the kid that he had to go with at the right time. There wasn't anything special about Billy. In a different time and place, it could have been Thad. If Thad had been the one to follow the sins getting out, he could have had his wish. It's the
0: irony of luck. and. I didn't realize that it was the seven demons getting out of him that created the vulnerability. I'm like, what? He's He's got a susceptibility to batterings. <laughs> Those ain't magic. <laughs> Do we need Batman to show up?
3: Well, we know Pedro's not going to help. He brought a lamp. I thought that was fun. <laughs> That's
0: better than freaking
3: Mary with a book. <laughs> Maybe that's some advice. I don't know, but they can't get back. All of this happened, a portal opened through the closet, and now that doorway is shut, and they they have a lot of fun like poking in doorways. Yes, please explain to me
0: what the Crocs playing poker means. Is that some spinoff? <laughs> oh, no, no, this is all, okay. Mr. Mind. Not Mr. Mime the Pokemon, right? No,
2: Mr. Mind. Okay. Because <laughs> he could control your mind by doing a Con thing and climbing in your ear. He was the leader of the Monster Society of Evil, which, like, Hitler was a member of. This was a children's comic book in the 40s. Like, Hitler hung out with this worm and crocodile men and different monsters. So I think that's what this is hinting at, that this is where they could get all these weird creatures for the Monster Society of Evil if they choose to do so in a future film.
3: Okay, well, we did see in the first time that we visited this throne room, is what I call it, There was a caterpillar in a jar, and then when Dr. Savannah came back as an adult, it was broken, and of course we'll see him as part of the stinger at the end. So they they appear to be heading in that direction, and so all of these creatures, the tentacle monster, and all of this stuff may play a role later down. Well, I'll have to go back and Easter egg it.
0: I love that these are references for people who know, because... If this were incredible Hulk villains, I would just have a huge <laughs> smile on my face the way they put By beast in the gladiator arena.
2: Yeah, there's lots of little nods like Shazam, the medallions that hold his cape have tigers on them. We'll see lots of tigers throughout this film. I thought before we get Mary Marvel or Captain Marvel Jr., we get Tawny the talking tiger. <laughs> and like that's got to show up at some point in a future sequel.
0: I like that they're putting this in for those people. I'm not getting it, but I like the look of it and those alligators were practical puppet effects they actually muppeted those alligators and i thought they looked great i got a big laugh out of the alligators suddenly realizing somebody had walked in on their game shazam
3: realizes that he can with the power of his mind put them anywhere that he thinks of of course he thinks of the strip club again
2: I do love Pedro's remark. Like, they all have a comment as they walk out, and Pedro's like, eh, not my thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have an overweight gay or asexual superhero. This is the first openly gay superhero, right?
2: Yeah, when we see Pedro turn into a Shazam, yeah, this is our first gay superhero on screen.
0: And- I loved the scene earlier in the strip club, but this one, they come out. First of all, Cherry Pie is playing. I love that cheesy song. But the fact that he comes out, he doesn't care. Mary comes out covering Darla's eyes. But my favorite, that Freddy comes out with glitter on his face.
3: But it all winds up in the carnival. You know, that was kind of where it all began for young Billy and his mom. And now we're back at another carnival. They've had a running Santa joke. Santa will be here as well. It allows them to bring a lot of things they've had in play. The tiger, all these motifs to come in to a, some kind of ending here at the winter carnival.
0: It seemed strange to me that they'd end up at a carnival that looks exactly like the carnival before. Again, I was thinking of Big, where that carnival just moved from place to place. I was like, is he at the same carnival he was at in Minnesota as a child? Because it's the same a balloon to get a tiger booth, and there's a Ferris wheel there. The Santa gag is amusing. I just found it like a hapless version of Bad Santa to see this Santa Claus cosplayer constantly on the run
2: yeah just running in panic (laughs) pushing people out of the way
0: yeah i
3: mean it's the irony of like he's telling the little girl like santa is always here for you and he's the first one running (laughs) leaving the child alone (laughs) on the seat when danger is approaching it's an easy laugh but again for kids this is great stuff this is hot stuff if this is the first time you're hearing these jokes you're going to love it
0: and they catch santa on fire i thought that was bold (laughs) they have his costume (laughs) catch fire i was laughing
3: and of course they got to get the bullies in there, too. We've hated those guys. They did total their van. That was one of the bits was the van that had hit Freddy was trashed and thrown for parking it in front of the school. But that's not enough. We also need them stuck
0: at the top of the Ferris wheel and do a whole lot of hijinks.
2: And they're spitting on babies. Yeah.
0: yeah, They <laughs> deserve it. I thought they might actually get hurt. I mean, the spitting on babies is a- and hitting people with freaking cars. These are bad bullies. But yes, it is going to be up to Super Freddy to save them because Shazam realizes he has a flashback. He could give Savannah the power if they both hold the staff, and he says the wizard's name, Shazam. But instead, he's going to do to the five foster siblings, and it doesn't dilute his own power. If he gave the power to Savannah, he would still be Shazam, the superhero. I thought it was a transference, like a Superman Two oh, thing. Interesting, yeah.
2: In the comic, when this happens, each of the kids like have their own special powers and we see it kind of here darla she's gonna be super fast but like eugene he could talk to machines and control them because he's the techie guy we see him playing video games they don't really go there with this one but it does feel awful power rangers they each got a very bold color for their suit and i think i was sitting next to a shazam fam because he lost his mind when this scene happened he couldn't believe we're seeing the shazam family
0: i couldn't believe it either because It makes Shazam less special, right? I mean, once you do that, it's no longer a solo superhero. You're just not a solo star.
2: Yeah, but I think I'd rather watch the Justice League of Shazam versus the Justice League we've been given in these films.
0: Absolutely, though. My favorite moment of the whole movie is Eugene. He looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh! character. He's in that outfit with the fake muscles. He can shoot lightning from his hands, and he goes, Ha, Rukin! Just like Street Fighter. (laughs) great
3: i would so do that (laughs) is it a participation medal like how we got into what gets criticized now about raising children is like everyone gets to be the special one there's not just one person that gets to be top of the class everyone has to be celebrated equally we felt that a little bit with into the spider verse you know they kept hammering home that message anyone can put on the mask. Anyone can be the superhero. It is inclusive. We now have a wide variety of people that all can be designated as super. It also means that we have a world where it's going to become
0: the new normal. My thing is it fits this film. It doesn't feel like social justice warrior or identity politics because the theme of this movie is family. It's that you aren't someone who can take care of yourself. You need a team. And so the fact that it becomes them... They're still special. It's not like the bullies get to do it. You know, it's not like everybody becomes super. The family becomes super. The family together is what can overcome adversity. It's going with that theme and I rolled with it.
2: Yeah, it's because it's the family. It's not just friends of his that he picked. Yeah, it's that family motif. You know, it's like The Incredibles. And The Incredibles was very much pushed back against that, oh, why can't we be super just because everyone else is regular? That shouldn't take away what's special about us. So I feel like because it's about family and not just random people being given the power. No, it's still playing within those boundaries.
3: Yeah, I mean, i liked it well enough it was a surprise and again i think for the audience that it's really pitched to they're gonna love this it's kind of adorable that darla is still starstruck by santa even as a superhero she's like oh my god let me tell you what i want i'll be a good girl like there is something sweet about seeing them it just feels kind of rushed like we barely got to know who these kids were and now they're already super they
0: didn't get to tell their origin story because the focus had been so much on billy Agreed. I especially feel that for Pedro and Eugene. I felt like we got quite a bit of time with very cute Darla. Mary had her scene with the college acceptance, so I felt like I knew who Mary was, and she was kind of the leader of the pack because she was the oldest. But Eugene and Pedro, I forgot about Eugene when I did the plot summary. I said he had two brothers and two sisters. I completely blanked on Eugene. But I took this family to be completely multicultural because A, that's representative of what you would have in a foster home. And B, it's what people like to do on screen now is try to bring people from all segments of life so that whatever country we put this movie in, you feel you're (laughs) included. You
3: could be cynical about it and say it's a way of selling more tickets, or you could just be more humanitarian and saying inclusive.
2: I will say this goes back to that 2011 reboot of the Shazam mythology. That could have been... And the goal way back then but they're carrying that over here. And I don't mind. I noticed that throughout this film when we're in the school. Hey, it's not just a bunch of white kids. Like it is in older movies at the school. It felt like it was in the city.
0: I agree completely. And I like the fights. I like that it's up to Freddy to save the bullies. I like Darla's fighting these demons.
2: He saves them, but he still gets revenge. He still gives them those suitcase wedgies.
0: (laughs) Probably far worse because he's flying. I mean, they have the entire weight of gravity on them. And meanwhile... My fear whenever you do this is now you have six heroes all with the same power. Why do I care about Billy anymore? But Billy is still being selfless. He is taking the worst bad, which is Savannah, and flying far away from everybody else so that they can have a one-on-one duel without anybody else getting hurt, and... I laughed so hard when they're flying and Savannah starts giving that speech. And then you just cut over to Billy. Are you giving some evil speech? I'm like a mile away from you. There's cars. I can't hear you. My second favorite moment of the film.
2: Yeah. I do got to ask, because I've been in the Philadelphia airport. I've never actually been in the city. I've just been there for layovers. Is that Ben Franklin statue that big? Like, they shoot that thing with lightning. Funny joke because of the kite and the key and all that. But that head falls down, and that thing
3: was huge. Yeah, I don't think it would actually crush the uh, love part thing. But, you know, Philly only has... doesn't have the same level of recognizable iconography that New York
0: City. So they had to go with what people knew. They didn't go and... Smash the Liberty Bell or anything. Yeah, you're right.
3: They, didn't, they left the Liberty Bell alone.
0: <laughs> you gotta have something for the sequel. Sure.
3: But it all wraps up basically by Savannah having envy coaxed out of him, and then zapped by Shazam, right? And so they suddenly, just all ends kind of abruptly. I'll be honest, they didn't quite track. All of a sudden, like, all the sins are just basically back to being statues again, and they've returned the power to the throne room.
2: Savannah loses his power. He was midair. He falls down. Shazam saves him at the last second, but then he pulls that eye out and is able to, I guess, suck in the seven deadly sins and put that back in the lair.
0: Yeah, as long as the eye is not in an eye, got it. The demons lose their power it's back in its little cage so that's what he has to do is he does save savannah and i kind of thought savannah would die in these hero movies it's now i'd say a 50 50 chance but your bad guy often does die as the result of their own misadventure and here we're gonna see billy is going to save him they're gonna send him to jail not to the grave but pulling that eye out and I think Savannah gets off easy. His regular eye comes back. I thought he'd have a big Nick Fury eye patch or something. No, he's got two eyes. And the demons are all contained. And it does end quickly, but it ends in a way that I go with.
3: And, of course, we see them back. Billy needs to commit to the Foster family. They all have these moments where they put their hands into the dinner table. And we see him leading Grace For the meal and even honoring Freddy's wish to appear as Shazam at the school cafeteria for the final scene with the foster kids.
2: And he brings Henry Cavell,
3: right? maybe he brings superman <laughs> man of steel comes in for uh the impressive powwow but
2: it felt like a real muppet babies moment like <laughs> yeah. he cut off before they get to the head and again that shazam fan sitting next to me he was super pissed they didn't show his face he wanted to know if they're gonna really bring back the actor
3: well we don't know who's going
0: to play superman from now on
3: right i mean it may be that he's recast that's the rumor
0: well It's because of this. Henry Cavell, they wanted him to do a cameo in Shazam. And Cavell's like, I'm making other movies, quote unquote, scheduling conflicts. He had a
2: beard he couldn't shave off.
0: And so Warner Brothers like, all right, you're not Superman anymore. We're done with you. But now he's like doing almost a press tour. He's posing with Superman and he's working out again. So it seems like he's trying to. Make nice. He may still be Superman. But I consider it bold that they didn't rely on any cameos. We don't see Wonder Woman. We don't see Batman. We don't see, hell, Flash or freaking Cyborg.
2: That was kind of a surprise with Aquaman, too, that, like, they never even, much less than this one, this one actually acknowledges that the Justice League exists. Aquaman, they didn't even acknowledge that there was a Superman or a Batman.
3: We see them in the flipbook credits. They finish up by, you know, flipping through the notebooks. And, you know, he takes Wonder Woman to private um. <laughs> they
2: really do take a page out of the Spider-Man reboot, ending with this Ramones song.
0: Uh-huh, the Ramones and the cartoon. I mean, one of the Marvel movies ended with cartoons like this, I believe. And I do like it, though. It's showing up every other superhero. He's beating up Superman. He's dragging Batman behind the Batmobile. And the way they did it, with it would, like, be a sketch on paper. It would leave the sheet of paper, and you'd see a toy Batmobile dragging a toy Batman and then would go on to another sheet of paper I thought it was a nice ending, and I like the Ramones, so I'm rocking out.
2: And then you get the Caterpillar.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've explained
3: pretty much now all the thing that was confusing. Oh, oh,
2: I haven't explained the best part, Stuart. I don't know if they're going to keep this origin (laughs) for Mr. Mind. He's actually the last of an alien race from Venus (laughs) that made it to Earth.
0: Okay, so is the Caterpillar Mr. Mind?
2: Yes. And he's got a little speaker box on him so you could hear him talk because he's so small.
0: Okay, that wasn't just like a cool vest.
2: No, that that's like he's got to carry a speaker on him so you could hear him.
3: And Thad is still alive. Savannah has been thrown into an insane asylum. It looks like Maybe even Arkham. And maybe he can pal around with the Joker or, or the Suicide
0: Squad when they bust out next year in the new movie. When I saw him in a prison, I'm like... Here's our cameo. We're going to have the reunion of the bald villains. Jesse Eisenberg's going to show up. No, it's a caterpillar.
3: Yeah, strange.
0: I, I also thought they might go real esoteric. I thought Deadshot might show up from the Justice League <laughs> cameo. I'm like, are they going to just make a running <laughs> gag that they're going to put this old dude in the stingers of every movie, but he never actually does anything?
2: Well, the weird thing is they mentioned the seven realms. Mr. Mind's like, we're going to get the seven realms. And from my understanding, there's a new Shazam series that just started in the comics like four or five issues in. And they just introduced this concept, which is crazy. I guess they consult closely, but the seven realms, you, you think about Thor, you know, you got your Viking worlds and they never really define anything besides the Vikings and the, I guess the ice giants and then earth. But in Shazam in this comic book that's going on right now, if they stick to these seven realms, yes, there's a monster realm. And we kind of see that in this one, but there's like a Candyland realm where it's just candy people. There's like a Zootopia world where it's all talking animals. Maybe that's how we get talking Tawny. He won't just eat uh, ice cream with mind experience. Expanding drugs in it <laughs> the way the comic book is well
3: we still got to get back to that realm where dark side has like an army of like superman like fanboys that is apocalypse yes yeah whatever that was
0: wait a second wait a second jacob a tiger ate lsd a mind expanding drug and then became a talking tiger
2: Yes. And then he's like, I just want to be a human. So I'm going to wear suits and talk and walk on my hind legs. Again, this is all from the 40s. It was made for little children. If you read old superhero comics from the golden age, they are crazy because there were no rules. They had no idea what they were doing. And Shazam is a great example of that.
3: Yeah, that's probably why they were so controversial and and banned in the 50s. (laughs) And of course, a final stinger, they really are emulating Marvel. There was one in the middle, and then at the end, an Aquaman joke. We can find out that Shazam does indeed cannot talk to fish, even though he's going to try on video with this goldfish.
0: They actually, I felt, pulled a Wreck-It-Ralph 2. This was a scene in the trailer, much like Wreck-It-Ralph 2 had that scene in the trailer of the kid playing Wreck-It-Ralph and the game going wonky, and... They just put that at the end of the movie because they didn't find a place for it. This feels like you said, what do you cut out of this? He's learning his superpower thing. They cut this line and a couple more. There was a scene where Shazam does something and Freddy's like, Superman would do it better. There were more of those references, I feel, in that half hour. This is the darling, I guess, they couldn't kill. So they just moved it to the end of the credits. But how darling is this movie to you? Well, I'm looking at the Magic 8-Ball and it outlook looks pretty good. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Shazam? Jacob.
2: I don't know how in 2019 you have a movie called Shazam and you don't have Sinbad show up as a genie just to squash all those Mandela Effect memes on the internet. That blows my mind. I was waiting for that Sinbad cameo, but we didn't get it. Didn't ruin the film for me. Thought it would have been a funny joke. But yeah, this is, it's a fun movie. It's a good family movie. Show it to the kids. Have some laughs as adults. It's not torturous. It skews very young, but I found myself, I was still enjoying it. I was still chuckling to myself throughout. The humor is what's going to sell this for adults. Zach Levi's performance, I think, is really good here. Selling, again, that Tom Hanks big performance. A child in a man's body. He he does really well at that. So besides just your children, if you're taking them to see this, or you're babysitting and you throw this on when it comes out for home viewing, yeah, it's not a bad way to go. It's a fun little film. I think DC is... Definitely trying to go that Marvel way, to have a little bit more humor, a little bit more lightness. I don't know how this is going to clash with whatever version of Batman we end up getting now that... I don't even know who's in the DC Universe anymore as far as the actors go. I'm interested to see how this gets incorporated. But as a standalone film, yeah, it's a fun little film. Recommend.
3: Stuart. Yeah, it's the right superhero movie for now. I mean... I used to predict that this whole wave of things was going to go away. I mean, it feels hilarious now, but five, six years ago, you could hear me on shows. I think you guys were charming in too that superhero fatigue was going to mean that this genre would die out. I like, we were like the old guy rockers from the 80s who said <laughs> rap was a
2: fad, right?
3: Like, no, it's going to go for 30, 40 years and it's going to change and it's going to morph. And this is for a new generation. What I realized watching this movie is I'm being aged out, and this is for the kids that have no familiarity with that first Iron Man. They were too young to experience The Dark Knight and all of that, and they're just now discovering superhero movies. This is the movie for them. They're going to love it, because this movie is filled with cliches, but they'll be discovering them for the first time. They're all done so well. I mean, my hat's off to this director, my hat's off to this actor... They could have really embarrassed themselves pandering in this way. And instead, it feels like a real joyous distillation of childhood. I had a a good time watching it. And I think that DC is wise to step away from the sourness of Snyder and try to go for different flavors. It didn't work for them with Aquaman, but here I think it's a very solid Green Arrow success. They haven't announced a Green
0: Arrow movie yet.
3: Yeah, I I don't mean (laughs) a success for Green Arrow.
0: (laughs) Our Green Arrow is given for Shazam. I agree with you, Stuart. Snyder was on my mind as I left the theater.
2: Oh, especially since he came out recently. He's like, you little... This is superheroes in the real life. What are you, a bunch of wimpy virgins?
0: Yeah, I did see that. And he said the Snyder Cut does exist, is what Uh, I read.
2: Keep it in the vault.
0: (laughs) Of what? I'm confused. Justice League. Oh, you know, because Whedon came in and added a Russian family.
2: Oh, (laughs) that'd be great. The Snyder cut is just removing that family
0: (laughs) and that bad upper lip. (laughs) But I felt Aquaman and Wonder Woman were still in the same tonal vein as all the other movies that Snyder had done. They were all dark. They were all this slow-mo, very pretty, but very thin movies. And by stepping away, I see what Warner Brothers is doing is flushing the Snyderverse. This movie is in the DC Extended Universe. Doesn't feel like it, besides a few dropped references to Batman and Superman. Later this year, we're going to have Joker, which is not part of this universe. They're now just calling it Elseworlds, meaning we're just going to make movies again. We're not going to try for this interconnected bullshit. We're just going to make movies that we hope you like. And I love that. And they did that with this. And this is the first movie in the DC Extended Universe that I can wholeheartedly recommend without reservation. Wonder Woman, that ending, it sucked. Aquaman?
2: You didn't recommend Aquaman, did you?
0: No. <laughs> and I didn't recommend Justice League, did I? No. No. No,
2: only Stewart recommended that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is the first one that I walked out of like, that movie was good. It didn't have any major glaring plot holes. It had a couple pacing issues. I didn't love this movie. I didn't walk out going to buy some Shazam underoos like I had as a kid or a Zachary Levi action figure. But I walked out having had a damn good time. They really captured lightning in a bottle and pulled this off. The movie that I thought they could never do right is now my favorite DC movie of a long time. And I'm going to say something really controversial. It's a better Big than Big. We're going to review Big this Friday for our patrons of $10 or more. And you're going to hear, I I like Big. I'm not red arrowing Big. I'm just going to spoil it. But I have problems with Big. I would expect that if you're trying to take Big and shove a superhero story in with it, you'd have those problems amplified. No, they know what's wrong with Big and they fixed it. It's a Really good, solid movie. Solid recommend.
3: I think I would put it second. I still think Wonder Woman is the more impressive achievement. I don't have the problems with the ending that you do. It's, I agree, not the best part of the film. But Wonder Woman Shazam are the areas where DC can be really proud. Man of Steel kind of works until it doesn't. Justice League was always on defense. As was Batman v Superman. I ended up red arrowing that one. Aquaman sucks and Suicide Squad is by far their worst. What else do they got coming down the pike? I know the next thing we're getting is this Joaquin Phoenix Joker thing that I just saw the trailer for.
2: Cannot wait for that one. Yeah, excited.
0: Yeah, it looks really intriguing. It does. Again, that's another movie. I didn't know if they'd be able to pull it off, but showing me the trailer, I got a real taxi driver vibe off of it.
2: Well, that's the thing. I was watching that trailer. I'm like, what if we lived in a universe where like there weren't all these superhero movies or we didn't even know what a Joker was? This trailer would blow my mind that this kind of film would be. Become- Coming out. It looks crazy.
3: Yeah, I know. It sounds silly, but I have always wanted Martin Scorsese to, like, make Watchmen <laughs> or something like that. I may be getting that. That may be what we, we see in October. It does have a gritty New York 70s vibe to it. And then beyond that, there's going to be, like, a woman villain team. Birds of Prey.
0: Yeah, it's kind of villains. It's kind of heroes.
2: Birds of Prey are good. Are they changing it? Are they changing the lineup?
0: Yeah, they're bringing in Harley Quinn.
2: Oh, okay. You got to bring in her.
0: Yeah, and it is filming now. She's still in her shorty booty shorts. I've seen pictures from the set. Is it going to be like Black Canary and Huntress? Huntress, Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Black Mask, and Victor Zaz. So that is filming now. Comes out in February. And then also next year, I guess it's done filming. They're in post-production, Wonder Woman 84. Right. It
3: could have been a Thanksgiving movie, but for some reason they decided to push it to next summer, I guess as a tent pole, It'll be their big film for the summer. And then maybe Suicide Squad will be ready by
0: the end of summer. It's currently in 2021. Before even Suicide Squad, they've announced The Batman coming out as a June film.
2: Yeah, I'll believe it when it goes into production.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've been trying so hard, and
3: yet we know it's not Affleck. I think that project is on very uncertain ground, as is another Flash movie, Superman movie.
0: Matt Reeves is still doing it, and it's scheduled to start shooting soon, but they have not announced who's replacing Affleck. They just announced it's not Affleck.
2: When are we getting Black Adam? That's got to be on the slate.
0: It is not Affleck currently announced. Announced before that, Suicide Squad 2, the movie that made Marvel realize, James Gunn, we really like you. Come back, please. (laughs) Yeah,
3: you don't want to send too many of your stars away because they'll go work for the enemy.
0: (laughs) And right now, Gunn is still slated to direct Suicide Squad 2, which I would love. I think he'd rock at it, but I do wonder if Marvel is going to exert a little bit of pressure and it'll be a James Gunn script, but they'll bring in another director And then in 2022, four years after the first one, comes Aquaman 2.
3: Yeah, I know. That's distant. I'm shocked they're not rushing
2: that out. That made a billion dollars.
0: I think Jason Momoa is too busy going from Wizard World Convention to Wizard World (laughs) Convention and signing autographs, because that's all the man is doing right now. If you watch every weekend, he's at a freaking convention signing autographs. I'm like, don't you want to act? Or are you just acting like you care about fans? But that is what's coming up, and nothing else has been announced. I mean, last time we recorded a DC movie... Oh, there was a huge list. Yeah, there were like 20 movies in various states of production. Warner Brothers has cleaned house. You know, I don't even feel like Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Shazam are in a connected universe anymore. I feel like Wonder Woman is just going to be in a Wonder Woman universe. I don't think we're going to have too many crossovers anymore.
3: I don't know that we need it. Honestly, that that could be the new phase of superhero movies. With Endgame bringing the end of the interconnectedness of Marvel Universe and new actors having to step in, I think it is time to just think about freeing it up. It allows you to put distance. When one doesn't work, you don't have to make it tied so much into the other ones that are working. And so that should help get better footing and have more success in the future.
0: One of the complaints about Marvel is a sameness to their films. And they do have a similar feel, even though some are more comedic and some are more sci-fi and things. This, though, had a total tonal shift from the other DC Extended Universe movies. I think that's how you compete with Marvel, is by being bold and doing things like Joker. While Marvel continues to be Marvel, don't try to out-Marvel Marvel. Marvel. Do something else and be unique and i think that's a strong way to go i'm excited about what dc universe has coming and i haven't said that in a long time
2: i haven't heard that excitement from you in a very long time i'm surprised that that is a testament to this film
0: well it's this film and the trailers for joker i feel like this could be to dc what the year of winter soldier guardians of the galaxy was to marvel joker and another wonder woman movie good ideas i'm on board As for us, like I said, this Friday, we are reviewing big. You can sign up now at nowplayingpatron.com and get well over 20, almost 25 bonus reviews that are there for people who donate $10 or more. And I'm excited to talk the pre-Shazam big. And then next week, we have another release because Shazam went head-to-head and put the smackdown on Pet Cemetery.
2: <laughs> Come on, is that really a contest? I would have figured superheroes beat horror just about any week.
0: And there's still
3: excitement. I mean, this is one of Stephen King's most beloved novels. I'm interested to see how they can make it vary. My, I've heard there's a plot twist that will change the way that it was presented in the 1989 movie, and I hope that it's a good one because otherwise I don't see the point in remaking it.
0: Agreed. King has said he likes it a lot. Okay. He also likes the Shining remake <laughs> he did more than the Cooper yeah. one. exactly. So that <laughs> me, that goes for nothing,
3: but I'm all for readapting and changing Pet Cemetery. We'll see what it's
0: like. I just want to know if I'm going to hear two Ramon songs in the theaters this weekend. <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, you'll hear it on our show next week because that is so good a song. And because we're doing Pet Cemetery next week, but next week has Hellboy, you're going to hear Hellboy a week after that.
2: Everything's getting pushed.
0: Except Endgame. Nothing will push Endgame.
2: Yes, of course not (laughs) Endgame.
3: Yeah, yeah, we'll catch up in time for Endgame's weekend of release, and that'll be epic. Yeah,
0: it's the 400-pound gorilla. I don't care what else is coming out that weekend or before. Endgame. I might be a little hyped. I'm just gonna warn people.
2: It's a new level, isn't it? Might be. (laughs) It's above, what was it, Spider Man?
0: So we hope you'll join us this Friday. And then next Friday, we'll start our series 1989 Summer. We'll talk to you Tuesday with Pet Cemetery. Justice has been served.
1: Sorry about your window. Have a good but night. You're welcome for not getting
2: robbed. Oh, hey. What's up? I'm a superhero.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Stay down! If I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Can you imagine how people on this planet would react if they knew there was someone
2: like this out there?
1: And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. I'm in. You are? Just like that? Yeah. I I need friends. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four.
3: I can't wait to show you my
1: toys. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. The world's too big, Mom.
2: Then make it small.
1: If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book. Underrated movies we recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love.
2: Not sold anywhere commercially in the world, even Black Market.
1: You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. Should we have written it down first? I memorized it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Oh. I know you're trying to find out where I hang my cake. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. You literally did the
0: opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do
1: support from listeners like you help keep now playing operating
3: it'd be a huge burden for anyone to bear
1: you can find a link to donate using paypal at the bottom of our website nowplayingpodcast.com no money no honey you can also show your love of now playing podcast by shopping in our store where you can buy now playing t-shirts coffee mugs mouth pads and much more the link to our cafe press store is available on our homepage. Nice my suit son Now Playing Podcast is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. I feel like Superman would have done it way better. Uh, Associate produced by Jason Latham.
3: Weapons of man draw no blood from our kind.
1: Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Wait, what? Are you making some of my big evil guy's speech right now or something? You're like a mile away from me. All I see is mouth moving. Now Playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. I've seen it, Mr. Wayne. He thinks he's above the law. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Today is a day for truth. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2019. All rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I can't talk to fish. What can we do with that that's cool? Maybe uh, command a, uh, an army of billions in the ocean? Oh
0: yeah. leading to a rift between he and Freddy. Is it he and Freddy or Freddy and him?
3: Freddy and Freddy and him. Him, yeah.
0: Okay. Leading to a rift between Freddie and him. Are you sure? No. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's he and f- Freddie and he?
2: No, it's Freddie and him. Yeah. You wouldn't say it led between a rift with he, you'd say it led to a rift with him. Okay, good point.
0: <laughs> well, that's because you didn't watch nine seasons of Smallville like I did. He was Lex Luthor's dad, who was equally as evil. He watched all nine seasons? I, I never made it through nine. I, made it- I watched eight and a half seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 he didn't get through the final I know, one. I, I, it's like I ran twenty five miles, but just said F- the 26th. Mm. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe he's testing people out on.
2: Oh, what's we're gonna the find Lantern out about the seven realms.
0: Ao or Ao or something. Maybe yeah. they're Ayo. Oh, 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 that's it. The
3: non-comic book guy. It's like burning in my brain, like a scar I have on the cerebrum.
0: <laughs> he may be like Aunt Becky's son here where he doesn't have to pass the exam he can just get into college
2: a timely Lori
0: Laughlin joke <laughs> <laughs> that no one will get in five years <laughs>